everyone. It's time to eat, drink, and be merry with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy. Hey, everybody. It is the first Wednesday of the month. It's April, and that means it is time to have our Wine Time with Peggy podcast here on Big Blend Radio's Eat, Drink, and Be Merry show. And, you know, we love this time because Peggy always tells us uh, what's going on in the vineyard and the vineyard of her company, LDV Winery, that she runs with her husband, Kurt, is based in the Chiricahua foothills in southeast Arizona. It's a beautiful region especially this time of year. It's a good time to go. Their tasting room is in Scottsdale, Arizona. So you can go to ldvwinery.com to see everything we're talking about. But we always get to hear what's going on in the vineyard, which is really fascinating. She teaches us wine terms that Nancy and I never know. What <laughs> What is she talking about? There's big words. And uh, always we talk about wine pairings and what's going on at the winery itself, because apparently a lot of bottling is going on, a lot of wines coming out of there. So it's an exciting time. So welcome back, Peggy. How are you? Thank you. Uh, doing wonderful. It's it's. They say it's almost spring, but it's still a little chilly in Arizona. Of course, not where you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, by the time this airs, um, we'll be in Texas. So we're hoping ah. it'll warm up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There so we'll be go. like, yay, yeah. yay, we're in Texas. Um, yeah. So uh, that West Texas, which I believe they have wines in Lubbock. I've, yes, you they know. do. Yes, they do. Oh. Yeah. Do you like Texas wines? Well, I haven't tasted a lot of it. Um, yeah. And so I think it's getting better. You know, I think uh, in Texas, the big issue right now is um, defining what's a Texas wine. Because for a long time, they imported grapes from um, California and other places oh. and then put labels on it and called it Texas wine. So there are now kind of shifting in the industry. It's grown tremendously. The Texas wine industry is huge. and uh, But now they're finding, they're growing the right kind of grapes that uh, mm -hmm. fit within that terroir. And I think it's it's changing and growing and, and uh, evolving, which is exciting for them. It is. We've, we've gone to a couple of wineries, um, actually more in Northeast Texas, we went to one. But, you know, it's something that people find surprising because Wine um, in Arizona and Texas, people don't always think that you're going to have wine in, in the desert southwest. Right. And it's shocking because that's where uh, the original grapes came from is in an arid uh, region. So it's it's makes sense uh, to grow them in the desert because mm -hmm. uh, they're a low water use crop and they do phenomenally in this climate. Okay. So speaking of that, I know it's been a wonky year. This winter has been wrecking havoc for everyone i mean even yesterday i was looking it was snowing in santa fe and i'm like what come on, what is going on california right today as we record is getting nailed again i mean it's it's we're getting snowed in in wisconsin but um that's okay if you just make sure you have enough wine if you're going to get snowed in then correct. everything is fine right Cor um, correct and dogs and cats always yeah. help too yeah. and beautiful views so we're all good but um what is going on in the vineyard now? Because it's like last time you're like, a, this is a scary time of year right now with the weather. How are things right. going? Well, you know, we've, we've had a lot of moisture this year, a lot of rain. Um, we did get some snow in the vineyard, which doesn't hurt 
the plants at all, the vines at all at, at um, this time of year. But um, I think it was uh, March 16th or 15th or something like that, we had what's called um, sap flow. So that's, remember last month, I think I was talking about the little fuzzies that we were starting to see on the vines, which is the, the first um, visual basically mm -hmm. of, of the vines starting to wake up from their dormancy from the winter months. And so the next thing is those where those little popcorn, little fuzzy things were, um, you start to get sap flow and it's, it's little droplets of water start coming out of the vine. And um, that is really the announcement that, hey, we're waking up. <laughs> We've mm. had some warm, warm afternoons, warm days, and the, the soil is, the ground is warming up. So we're waking up. However, the scary part is um, bud break is soon to follow and we could have another frost. We could have, especially this year, how crazy the weather was. And that is problematic. If we um, have bud break and then we have a frost, we could lose those, um, those vines. Uh, we don't want you to. No, exactly. So it's a it's an exciting time in the vineyard right now, but it also is a nerve wracking time um, to to uh, you know with bud break coming too soon. I mean, it's on schedule. It's hot, but this is weather year. It's crazy. So who knows? So yeah. fingers are crossed. Well, I know because you look at the weather and you think you plot. I mean, I'm one of those people that look every hour kind of thing. I, I'm yeah. just fascinated but I'm not running a vineyard and for you guys that's like this is dollars and cents for me it's about safe travel you know um, uh, really because you have to know what you're driving into I mean even getting right. to Wisconsin we missed it we were in Chicago area and we're like we missed it by an hour got here and within the hour boom you know so I, I time it to the like <laughs> we gotta get you know be safe but for a vineyard you guys have to have all eyes on the weather right and kind of all the time all the time. My husband uh, is constantly has uh, several different weather channels programmed and on the on the television all the time. Of course, we have a pretty sophisticated weather station mm -hmm. on the, the vineyard so we can get real time information of what the weather is like in the vineyard, which is so important year round. Mm. Um, but, Watch exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, OK, so, you know, I'm I'm everything fingers crossed everybody just whenever you have a sip of wine just put good vibes onto the vineyard um exactly. but on the other side i've heard that you're still bottling more last time you were on the show you were talking about you know you had this abundance so you know so you know some things are really good when you have abundance right <laughs> right exactly yes we're still bottling like crazy we um I think I, I talked about the 2017 wines that mm -hmm. we did extended their aging process on them. So some of those wines have been aging for, you know, 70 months in, in barrel. And what's exciting is we're finally uh, bottling all of those reds. Um, and oh my gosh, they, it's been a fun experiment because the wines are phenomenal. Absolutely oh my gosh, phenomenal. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we did not rush those to the marketplace. And now we are, they're ready. We're bottling them, um, getting all the labels for them. So hopefully we'll start rolling them out next um, end of April, May. We'll start okay. rolling out some of those 2017 wines. We have the first one uh, 
out on the marketplace at the end of this month, which is our 2017 Syrah. And I think it's one of the best wines we ever made. I want that. You know that. Now, see, this is in time for Mother's Day. I'm just saying. Yes. For everybody. Um, Okay. When does your shipping stop? This is an important question. Absolutely. So it stops in late April, maybe maybe mid-May. We have to stop shipping and then we can't ship until October. So it's a long summer that people have to go without LDV wine. So get your you orders in. It, yeah, get it, get it. Uh, Peggy will be busy. <laughs> yes, shipping lots of wine around the country. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, because of the heat in Arizona. It's, it's right. um, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's, that's how it is. So uh, 2017 red wines, that's very exciting. I know we're going to talk about Easter dinner. We've got a great recipe for baked glazed ham. Everyone, you can see it on blendradioandtv.com. Also, the recipe, um, as we talk about these recipes every month and wine pairings. And uh, if you go to ldvwinery.com, I encourage you to follow. Uh, click on their social media, like Facebook. I love following them on Facebook. I'm always like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> next thing they're having all these parties. Like, I was like, I want to be there for St. Patrick's Day that happened. I like, they, they were having fun. They're yeah. like corks with shamrocks and yeah and yeah. then um also sign up for their newsletter because that's where you get recipes and you are always um i love it when people really do newsletters i appreciate a well-crafted newsletter where there's actual information and not just buy buy now for a discount i really appreciate that that you actually help people you know with recipes wine pairing tips and obviously keeping us informed of event news and everything but um, I think it's important to stay educated if you're going to enjoy wine to learn a little bit more about it. So I, I really, I love your newsletters. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, that's how we enjoy wine. You know, we're always learning, even, even though we own a winery, we're always learning. And so um, when we visit a winery, we want to understand, you know, their place, how, why they chose their place and and why they're making the wines that they are. So that's what we enjoy. So I'm hoping that's what we're trying to put out in the world of the, the things that are important to us. So you, speaking of learning, you and Linda Kassam, you know, taught Nancy and I about corn dogs and wine. So it was yeah. National Corn Dog the other day. And so here we are on our big daily blend show. We got the giggles. We're telling everybody, Peggy and Linda says, go wine pairing with your corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, see, I would never... I would never have thought that, you know, I always thought you had to have the most expensive cheese for your wine pairings. That's what I no, used to always say. Uh-uh. <laughs> you, I could tell you about how to pair with potato chips and, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about um, deviled eggs because a lot of people make deviled eggs for Easter. Yeah, what do you and, do? Yeah, yeah. What do yeah, you do so with we'll, that? We'll that, talk yeah. about that. It, it depends yeah. on how you make them. But I wanted to start off by with my term. Yes. Yeah. Earth Day also is in April, and yeah. a lot of people um, celebrate Earth Day, but they really don't know the history of it and why. It's very important to us at LDV. You know, if you, I, I, I'm old, and and so I remember um, <laughs> the first Earth Day, which was back in April, April twenty second, nineteen seventy, mm-hmm. and if you remember the time that was before the EPA that was before the clean air act it was before the clean water act that we had nationally and it was a senator a junior senator out of Wisconsin 
that um, wanted to basically uh, uh, do a, 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 what do they call it, a teach-in, you know, <laughs> not a sit-in, but a teach-in, and use that, um, have schools and colleges and so on teach about the importance of the environment and protecting the environment and so on. It was it, and so we created this Earth Day, but it was a way of putting a national focus on the importance of the environmental issues. I think the guy's name was Gaylord Nelson. He was mm -hmm. a senator from mm -hmm. Wisconsin that started um, this effort. So, it, and it wasn't until the, the 1990s where it really went global and this focus on environmental issues and the importance of having clean water and clean air and that that's something we all well, deserve. I love that you are focused on sustainable. And actually we had the co-founder of Earth Day on our show just about a month oh, ago. Wow. Yeah, you're in the same magazine, our latest Success Express magazine, uh, Alan Trackner. Um, Trackner, he was one of the co-founders and starters of Earth Day, and he's running a whole different initiative. It's uh, plastic-free packaging for entrepreneurs. And and I, and I, you know, I'm like, Peggy's plastic-free. She's got bottles, man. And <laughs> she's got bottles. Well, it's true. But, but as being agriculture, you know, and actually we're recording this on agriculture day, which is interesting. And, and I'm, I'm really passionate about this. Nancy and I both about people and we need to bridge this gap between people eating and drinking what comes from being grown and what's going on in actual farming. And I always tell people farmers are scientists and they are watching more about water consumption than what we do in our house. How many people brush their teeth, leaving the water on, you know what I mean? Right. So right. let's talk about that with you being, because you are farmers how much you look at that because you know you have to be sustainable in your business so and your grapes right, right. no it, it's so important and, and, it, and it that whole sustainability ethic is very important to us and we define it as this comprehensive set of practices that we apply to our vineyard and our business that you know you, that are environmentally sound so we're always looking at ways to improve how we treat the earth and how we um, how we can grow grapes the most sustainable with as little impact as possible on the environment around us but we also are socially equitable focused and and want to be play a role in um, that and also ensuring that it's economically viable. I think those are the three stools of sustainability mm -hmm. that are very important that we apply to our vineyard. And how we define that is, you know, we're looking at the overall ecosystem of our property and the impact mm -hmm. that we might have. And that is uh, even before we plant it or when we plant additional acres, we're looking at uh, the soils and water analysis and letting that guide us on how we plant and where we plant. Um, we do have a creek that runs through 20 acres of our property and and though it's in it has 100 year old oak trees on it, it's a, a riparian area. And we want to make sure that if there's any runoff from the vineyard into that creek and that riparian area, it's protected and we're not harming that in any way. So that watershed is very important to us. And um, we're looking at soil diversity and mm. all of riparian, uh, that habitat, making sure that it, it grows and, and is sustained over time. So looking at that whole 
ecosystem is very important um, mm. as part of our sustainable practice. But when you talk about that, the more that you're healthier your soil, the better for the grapes, right? And oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Soil health, I think, is one of the most important issue for us, but it is a global issue, and we should all be concerned about ensuring that um, we're protecting our soils and managing our soils uh, over time. And, and for us, that means doing analysis. Uh, we do it pretty much um, several times a year. So after harvest, and when the before the vines go dormant, we do a very thorough a soil analysis of our vineyard to really determine um, what kind of uh, what has been leached out of the soils in terms of the minerals and, and and so on because of the harvest and the growing season, so that we over the winter can augment those soils over uh, over the winter time. Um, but during the growing season, we start testing monthly to determine the health of those soils because uh, that is number one to us is maintaining that the, that soil viability and um, so that we can add whatever you know minerals or, or so on through the irrigation system during the growing season um, wow. to us soil manages management uh, including erosion control um, is important as much as water and water yeah. quality. You yeah, know, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, because that's going to change everything, you know. The soil, you know, going back to the soil, I think when you say erosion, I think that's really important when people also understand the deserts have flash floods. There's a natural right. occurrence, but then also how you do your property through xeriscaping and putting the right drainage in the right places can really benefit your plants. Like when it starts to rain, that should be a yippee in some ways, right? I know that you have yeah. to make sure the clusters don't get too moist amongst each other, right? I remember talking about that with you, but yeah. having natural water is a, is a really beneficial thing, you know? Absolutely. There's nothing like uh, Mother Nature's uh, water uh, yeah. on a vineyard instead of just irrigated water. But um, the way we selected our property and the soils on our property and the way we laid out the vines so that there is such a nice, easy slope that goes to the, um, the creek side that I had mentioned to you. So we don't have this flash um, yes. flood of water uh, that comes through our, our property because we laid out the land and monitor that very effectively. So after one of those huge monsoon rains in the summertime, we can get in our vineyard in a half hour because the soils have um, soaked it all up or it's drained very gently off the off the vineyard. So mm. um, it's just careful farming, you know, and uh, thinking exactly. those things through um, are, is critical. I, I think that and it you can taste the difference too, right? It's not just about, so. it, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's, you know, people think chaos management, you know, no. It's about really putting your stake in the ground, literally, right? You have a lot of stakes yeah. in the ground. Uh, yeah. But also, it's like if the soil is good and the water is clean, the taste comes through. You can, it is a huge difference, you know. It is. Uh, yeah. And it, it's nice that, you know, you're keeping the landscape because your area's got like ancient history and oh, yeah. just, and the natural beauty. Oh, you know, I love your area so much. I you know. know I I, every time, just start time out, I'm just like, oh, 
I miss it. I miss it. I love it out there so much, you know? So I love that you're sustainable. The other part in sustainability is vegan. So I know a lot of people are vegan for, um, you know, cultural uh, beliefs and also religious beliefs uh, for health reasons. Some doctors will make people like, you're going to be vegan. They're like, oh, heck no. But yeah, you're going <laughs> to, you know, and then find out that you can do it. Um, but you're also vegan wine. And I think that's what people go, well, isn't it vegan just because, you know, but a lot of people are vegan because of the environment. Um, right. So I think right. we should touch on that. Uh, speaking about sustainability. Absolutely. And it goes, it's not just how you make the wine. And we've talked about that, putting additives in the wine that might be um, products uh, or um, not plant-based products that you might be adding to your wine. Um, but it's how you grow your grapes or where you get your grapes. Because if, I mean, we don't even use manure in our vineyard. Because if you use manure in the vineyard, it will have some of that trace um, oh, yeah. left in the grapes and ultimately in the wine. So we don't even do that. So we're very careful on what we put in the vineyard because it will translate to how the, the final product, which is the bottle of wine. And we don't do any of the additives that um, to clarify the wine uh, like egg products or or um, proteins that you add to the wine to help clarify it. We don't do that because mm -hmm. in our opinion, what sustainability means to us is from bot or from um, grape to glass, that entire process. And so we're very careful on what we add in the vineyard and also in our winemaking um, style is very important oh, to us. And you're bottling because you like cork. We like cork, natural product, but we also have even our packaging that we ship our boxes in. We don't use that styrofoam kind of um, wine packaging. It's 100% biodegradable materials um, that we ship in. And we're very careful in our winery on recycling and, and what we use to minimize our impact on the environment. It's important. I love this because it's really something we, we all have choices as business owners and, and, you know, regular, you know, people, do, do we buy this or that? And it's a choice that we can make. And I think um, if you want to make uh, severe impacts in what are, what is happening in the world, um, you can vote by your dollar. <laughs> Really? Absolutely, you can. Oh, Absolutely, can. We're not getting into campaign contributions, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's a whole other show we don't want to do. But yeah. um, but I'm just saying you can vote by if you want change. It is about what we personally make choices for. Like if you want right. to be vegan, then buy vegan wine and buy from a company that is making wine that is you know the full package. So that's right. something that as you do things, you, you always go: is this sustainable or not? Is that like kind of the Q&A that you look at before you do things in the winery? Yeah, absolutely it is. And um, we're always conscious about the, the our sustainability ethic. Um, uh, but, you know, we're also making a product and we're also trying to produce the highest quality wine as possible. And, and you know, thank goodness we're able to do that as well as be, be sustainable. Um, however, we are not uh, organic. Mm -hmm. um, certified. And that's one of the other terms. I mean, if you, I think people need to know what the definition of sustainability is, which is the way 
it's it's what we do um, trying to protect the environment in our little way. But um, organic really is um, going maybe a step further in terms of ensuring that uh, everything that they do, even the additives they may be adding to the wine are organically grown, mm -hmm. or the things that they're adding to the, the vineyard are organically grown, and they're free of any GMOs or sulfites um, or preservatives, uh, and which, you know, we, we do add sulfites um, to our wines, and sulfites appear all around us, obviously, but we do it because we want our wines to last and um, <laughs> sit on a shelf. And See, uh, now our... you don't need to put sulfites in for Nancy and I. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you're going to drink it right away. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Yep, yep. Just but teasing. that's something, um, you know, uh, our wines are ageable, and, and it's very difficult to do that without having a preservative. Mm -hmm in the wines. Um, yeah. but we're, we're, we're careful on how much we're lower than the national average for sulfites in wines, but we do have them. Mm. Um, and then there's a term biodynamic. You might have ask you about right? that. Yeah. Yeah. That is, which is everything that organic is, but it takes it a step further. I mean, they're organic or biodynamic, um, agriculture is really focused on soil health. Like we mm -hmm. talked about, but they really just take it a step further in their planting schedule. You know, how they plant or when they plant is tied to the lunar cycle. Mm -hmm. And so they believe that if you are really connected to um, earth and the, the lunar cycle, how it impacts the earth, it, it'll improve the agricultural health of whatever you're growing. So biodynamic kind of takes it a step further um, related to the how you plant and when you plant. Um, and they land. bury things. They bury, and they like, bury things yeah, like horns like, and, yeah. and stuff like that um, as a way to increase the nutrients in the in the soils, I believe. Yeah, but, there's that and there's it's like it goes also like, you know, planting by the moon and all kinds of it's 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 a it's a whole trippy deal. It's yeah, it's yep, yep. <laughs> it's it. Well, it goes back to ancient practices too, which right. I find it's it's interesting. Right. You know, um, right. I I want to go back to the word sustainability because I think it's such a crucial word. Then you know when you say sustainable or sustainable uh, sustainability, first thing people think is the environment, which is really true. But it, what to take it in full context too, is if you're going to have a business you need to be sustainable. So you're there, you know, someone buys into right. your wine club, you need to be there to have the wine get delivered right. at, you know, three, four months, you know, whatever. And sustainability goes hand in hand. It's about sustainability of the environment is sustainability of us as a human species that is Absolutely. coexisting with all these other things on, you know, animals and birds and things on the planet. So I look at it as this, it, it, I mean, it's, it, it's all one, it's all connected, right? So yeah, sustainable it's, is, it's huge. It's a huge word. Yeah, and, and, and it goes, for us, it goes to our, um, how we treat and our employees and mm -hmm. people in our community and that we're connected to them. And um, it is, it's tied to our financial feasibility of us being able to mm -hmm. be here generation after generation, still producing a great quality 
uh, um, product as well as maintaining the environment where our grapes are grown and that we're continuing to be able to employ people in mm -hmm. a, um, you know, a socially responsible way that they have a living wage is important mm -hmm. to us, um, that type of thing. So yeah. it's, it's much broader than just the land. It's, yeah. it's, it's our philosophy on how we do business, I think. Mm. Um, Tell everybody about sense. your logo again. Yeah. And so uh, it is really embodied in our three circles, which is part of our logo and, um, and our tagline, Earth's fruits come full circle. So everything goes back into the land. So, um, and it's honoring the past, the present and the future. Um, so it, it's very important to us. Yeah, I love that. I love it. I love that you're forward thinking too, you know, that it's, you know, it can, the land stays good. So, you know, you're, you're keeping right. the land good for the next generation, you know, and um, people are going to learn how to make wine. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's it, absolutely. Awesome. Or, you know, maybe a next generation doesn't want grapes, but we haven't ruined the land. So yeah. we haven't destroyed the soils. We that's haven't, a good so point. Uh, it could come, someone might want to tear up the grapes and put in apple trees or whatever, or, or just let the land go back to natural. We, ha we will not have destroyed it. It will be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, generations after generations, um, this, this place will remain special and that's what's important to us. It's really hard to do too, because you still have to build on a property. And I remember we got our place in 29 Palms and, we couldn't grow anything. We put fertilizer, we had to put fertilizer down. We put all the wildflower seeds in and we got these little teeny, teeny little plants because the soil was so bad and we amended the soil. But mm -hmm. this, the people that had this house before us never amended their soil. So it right. had all these chemicals from the actual building up. And I know you, you understand that from being city planners and everything right. too, is right. that environmental thought beforehand. And I have friends who are, um, biologists and work in with you know engineers and everything and looking at water quality and everything I said well you know when these big developments come in like environmentally they're doing this and this and she goes well yes but if nobody talked to them and had that forward thinking like what you and Kurt had right. for your company right who are you you're gonna the engineers aren't gonna do anything until someone says hey by the way we want to preserve this river over here now design around that then engineers will go okay we'll design around that you know, I don't know. Yeah, you, you did it's all possible. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, but this is what these conversations are so important about is just having that thought, you know, that thought process. And I think what you're doing as a company is so, you know, it, it's something people can listen to, learn about and go, hey, what am I doing with my company? How am I running right. my house? What am I doing in my own garden? You know, right. am I putting pesticides in my garden and then letting my kids and dogs run around and letting the birds eat from plants that have poison on them? Right, you know, so right. there's there's all of those values that you you really put in the forefront, which I appreciate. Um, but now let's talk about food. <laughs> yeah, talk. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Food pairings. So I know Easter's uh, just a couple of days away, um, but then there's all these holidays. You've got a great recipe for baked ham. Um, but let's talk. You said egg. You know, doing the deviled eggs is a big deal, and and you know these yeah. deviled eggs are served. Uh, brunches they're served during you know even fourth of july and things like that and, and a good deviled egg is good and it's isn't it because you've got the earthy kind of sweetness of it but then if you put an olive or a pickle with it now it's got that little salty so 
Yeah, right. let's talk about what what um, wines to go with that. You know, eggs are a tough wine pairing. They're it's like asparagus or artichokes that they're they're tough to pair a wine. You know, if you're going to choose an all around um, uh, wine to go with an egg kind of dish, deviled eggs or or eggs Benedict or something, go to your favorite champagne or cava or prosecco. Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's like the go-to. Okay. That's the basic. Um, if you're going to brunch on Easter and you want to, uh, do eggs Benedict, that's probably what you should drink with it. But, um, or some kind of sparkling rosé would be a, a nice, uh, wine. But if you're doing deviled eggs, let's say, and you make your deviled eggs with some bacon or a lot of people use smoked salmon in their, um, Mm -hmm. deviled eggs then i would choose a sparkling rosé would be great with that or a chablis a french chablis would be nice with that but if you're the kind of person that likes to put herbs like dill in the mixture which mm -hmm. is very common or you mentioned earlier the salty olives or some kind of a pickle or something like that that adds that saltiness to the deviled eggs then you want to go maybe with a Sauvignon Blanc. So something or or like one of our vignette, our Sky Island vignette that's made Sauvignon Blanc style. So there's no oakiness to the white wine. It would pair beautifully with that um, herbs and, and the saltiness of it. But if you're doing like, like something more exotic, like mixing the, the yolk with a curry or different mm. kinds of curry spices. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, and I I've made them that way, and then you're into you know maybe a, a a Grenache, so maybe into the red wine or with a dry Riesling would be beautiful with that. So those are just some things. Just like I always say about pairing, anyways, is you need to think about not just the egg, but how you're going to make that egg. What are yeah. you going to mix in it, and then that's what you pair with is mm -hmm. is the widgets that you. Are you putting a jalapeno pot. slice on yours? I like a spice. I actually use Tabasco in my, ah. um, I put a little Tabasco and then some Hungarian uh, paprika. On oh, top. I'm with you. I'm coming to hang yeah. with you. I like this. <laughs> now, listen, I like a little slice of, um, you know, prosciutto might be good mm. on, on the egg. I'm just saying, I know yeah. we're getting to ham, but a little bit, a little, you know, sausage with the eggs. Just, yeah. saying, just a little slice. You know, it's one of those things have fun with. I mean, everyone, I think there's the traditional deviled egg, which I think was from the 50s. Uh, you know, all of our moms uh, created it and it was basic with some mayonnaise and some um, pickle relish and a little salt and pepper. And that was a deviled egg. That's the deviled egg I grew up with. Yeah. But now you can be so creative with them and have fun with it. Yeah. Um, I do not, this is one thing I do not, I don't have a good recipe for how to make the deviled egg so it's easy to peel. I have tried oh. every single recipe and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You so know what, I, dip, I think it has to do with um, if you're getting your eggs fresh from the farm and how long they've been because then they're saying you don't put them in the fridge you do put them in the fridge are they pasteurized are they not how long have they i think it's about the age of the egg because i've tried them all too you know it's like all right put them in ice water then they're easy to peel no they're not no yeah 
No, and sometimes you get a double yolk. It's like the yeah. double rainbow. <laughs> but no, I have, maybe I'm just because maybe I just smash them too hard. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it, that is the pain of making deviled eggs. That's for sure. And I don't yeah. have a secret, uh, a, a, a foolproof secret on how to do that. I um, like to but, to crush the egg around them and then put them in dye and then they can be tie dyed eggs. That's, yeah, you know, yeah, that's like dinosaurs. Well, you know, you know, you can um, color the eggs with red wine. Oh, now we're talking. Ooh. Or if you do get a perfect egg that before you cut it to, to make the deviled egg, mm. um, you can soak it in red wine and it'll get this beautiful pink kind of the white turns a pretty pink color and Ooh. then make your deviled egg. So have fun with Ooh. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm all for this. I, I love yeah. deviled eggs. I think they're good, but um, I don't know if I want to use my wine on eggs. I don't know. I know I, it. I know. Unless you had some know. leftover and you needed to use it, that's a creative way to kind of use that. So, no, that, mine is just have to enjoy it. Sip it while you're making the eggs because you're going to need yeah. them. Because every time you mess up the egg, you go, okay, that's a new drinking game. Take another sip every time right. you, you mess up the egg. So the glazed ham, the baked glazed ham, I think that's iconic. And this is for dishes. I mean, this is Thanksgiving, right. uh, Christmas, and just whenever. Uh, I mean, do people make ham anytime that they, I mean. Oh, yeah. It's a not? Sunday. I think it's a Sunday supper kind of. Um, yeah meal. you know when you have the whole family coming over for dinner it's nice. a great way to grab a ham and this is the traditional way that I grew up with mm -hmm. eating uh, a ham and I prefer making a ham than going to you know one of those companies that have the sliced ham um, already made I think it's easy to make a, a beautiful glazed ham uh, so do it yourself. Start from uh, scratch. So, you know, get a, the recipe I have is for a 10 pound bone in. And I think you, you definitely want a bone in ham. It doesn't, and I, I call for a smoked, um, mm. but either way. And, uh, you know, the glaze is simple just with brown sugar. And I like to use a brown mustard as mm. part of it. Cause I think it adds a little tang to it. And of course this has, wine as part of it and it's okay uh, to put wine with this for some reason it just goes yep, better for me yeah uh-huh and of course it has the pineapple juice and pineapple slices and i love cloves i love the, mm -hmm. the the what cloves do to it so i stud the whole ham with cloves after i kind of do my um squares uh, uh cuts on the ham the, uh, the fatty oh. part of the ham but um now, I think the only key is when you're cooking it and you you want to get to the, the temperature, the internal temperature to about 160 degrees, uh, make sure you don't put your thermometer on the bone uh, mm. or have it touch the bone or that it's just in the fatty part of the ham. Make sure it, you put insert it in the proper place so that you get a good temperature read of your mm. ham. But uh, And the other tip of this recipe is don't pour the glaze over it at the beginning. Let the ham cook for a while. And then towards the end is what you, you pour the glaze on and the pineapples and so on. Um, otherwise, you'll probably burn it. And yeah. you don't want a burnt ham or cover it a little bit if you're starting to have the outside get a little burnt. So. Yeah, it gets too much too. It's I think it'll yeah. over-sweeten it. You know, yeah. I, the, it's very similar to what Nancy would do with um, corned beef. 
she closed oh, sure. it too and she did bourbon on it too oh like, wow yeah well nancy yeah she's like come on let's try this but the mustard it was that dark mustard just did yeah everything it just puts all of those senses together so right. what kind of wine would you be cooking with for this Tell absolutely because you have you have sweetness and mm -hmm. you have saltiness in mm -hmm. this dish so you that's what you're trying to choose the right wine to to really pair with and so um, a medium bodied red like a grenache mm -hmm. or a pinot noir would be beautiful you could go a little heavier with a syrah which would be nice mm -hmm. Or um, a sparkling demi-sec might mm. be, um, so, so not something really sweet, but a sparkling wine might be nice with this. It's spring. Yes. It's spring. Yes. I know. I'm saying that. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. However, I have some other tips about the Easter yeah. basket. Because I, I think Easter baskets are not just for oh, kids. No. You know, so, you know, you want to have some desserts and you want to enjoy what might be in an Easter basket or steal your kids. I don't care. But so typically in Easter baskets, they have things like the Cadbury eggs that kind of have that marshmallowy and right. And uh, perfect with a Chardonnay. So even if you don't do your basket and you have leftover um, Cadbury eggs, just enjoy them with a nice Chardonnay would be great. Um, the, those uh, rabbit peeps. Uh, oh, yeah, see, yeah. Come on. You have right? to have them. So, <laughs> so when you do a wine. basket, is this when you have it, like if you have people coming over for dinner? Because I know you like parties, right? Yes, yes. Do one basket for everybody to dip into or are you giving oh, people no, no. individual baskets? Individual baskets. No, people don't like to share things like oh, that yeah because they, well if you bring there could be a fight and we don't want yeah. a food fight because she worked hard no. on the ham and those right. eggs are too tempting for a food fight i'm telling exactly, you exactly exactly <laughs> no so they get to take home their chocolate bunnies and enjoy with a you know nice glass of rosé or or that chocolate Ooh. candy um, that might be in there with a zinfandel or a petite syrah um that's i want them to take something home with them and enjoy it with some you nice know what wine. The M and M's have been dangerous. The um, Easter M and M's. Oh, goodness! In there. See, um, yeah. Now I know that you know it's sweet. So wine wise, right. it's been interesting what to pair with that. So I right. have done it with like a Malbec because listen, oh, it's yeah. cold, and it worked. It worked. Yes, it worked that for would me. work. Yeah, yeah, that would work absolutely. Yeah. With a yes. little chocolate and as well as the nut. Uh, absolutely. You know, the other thing on holidays uh, or, or people prepare desserts for Easter or whatever, you know, cheesecake is a fun, um, yes. fun thing to try to pair wine with. So if it's a plain cheesecake, you might do a sweet Riesling with that. Mm cheesecake but then again think about what is over the top of it are you going to smother it with strawberries um are you going to have some kind of blueberry um compote over the top of that then you might want to change the type of wine that you pair that with um and cheesecake is a really good idea though yeah you know? and strawberries are in season now too and strawberries are in season so mm -hmm. definitely have fun with that you know and then the other two desserts typically this time of year carrot cakes a lot of um 
people, I have a wonderful recipe for carrot cakes oh. with a buttercream um, frosting on it. It's just wonderful. So with that, I would choose a um, German um, off dry Riesling mm -hmm. for that. You don't want something too sweet because that's a little bit sweeter and mm -hmm. it has some spiciness to it. Um, mm -hmm. But carrot cake, I haven't had one in a long time. But... You know, that's what took me out of being vegan, right? Was a carrot oh. cake. Was it really? Seriously, I'd been vegan for so long. And then I didn't do well with it because I started eating packaged vegan thing and that didn't do good. Mm. Um, but eating whole foods that you cooked yourself, I did really, really well. My body was healthy and everything. And um, I, I, this is back in my music days and I'd finished a gig one night and there was a wedding that had been going on. And one of my uh, music friends, they're like, hey, nobody ate the carrot cake. And we just looked at each other and we're like, bring they're it in. We yeah. ate the entire cake between us. We had wine, but we were like, I'm like, I've been missing out. And it's only because really the eggs and cream. Right. It wasn't right. like we were eating a hamburger or something. No. But I would, that's it. I'm out. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, I'll wonderful. never forget that, that, that carrot cake. And to this day, someone says carrot cake because especially when it's fresh, there's this, oh, this the texture of the carrot. It's like it's this. Oh, yeah. it can be very, <laughs> um, the, the creamy, it, it has oh. a creaminess to it. And it's uh, fun for Easter because you could do a little carrot on the top. You know, when people do that little carrot, yes. it's cute. It's the Easter bunny. It's like, yes, you know? Yes, oh, yes. Oh, and yeah, that's, you could do carrots, you know, baby carrots on the side with the, with the glazed right? ham. Yeah, on, oh, that'd it. be beautiful. Absolutely. You know, Nancy used to make, um, she got really, and when I was a little kid, you know, cause she's an artist. So she, she had a good time with cakes she used to make bunnies and put like coconut up the you know like wow. a bunny cake made in yep. the shape of a bunny and yep. it's all covered in coconut white shaved coconut and great or yeah. grated whatever oh come on i think i think we need to have more fun we you do know? and we we, I really we should think so make things from scratch is my you know don't just go take the quick route and go and buy something it's easy to bake a cake it's easy if you just follow a recipe i mean baking you do have to follow a recipe and it is important to have the right um measurements to it mm -hmm. it's a chemistry thing but um put some music on have some wine and don't yeah. bang the oven door do not yeah. bang the oven, oven door and don't let the kids around, but make it just, you know what, we need to kind of calm down, do things like that because, you know, they always say, oh, meditate. I'm like, go do something like that. It'll, it'll calm you down. You and know, teach it's... your kids, teach mm -hmm. your kids to cook and bake and, and use it as a, you know, a learning experience because they have to figure out a quarter cup or an eighth of a teaspoon and it's good Science. way it's good science and math they can learn, but have fun too and be proud of something that they actually created with their their own hands instead of going to the store and buying something. You know, Easter's almost like a, a spring Christmas in a weird way with the food because like you were talking about um, carrot cake, I immediately can like taste ginger and like cloves like you were talking about. Like, it's yeah. kind of like that. Like I even now I want ginger cookies. I don't know why now I want a ginger snap. It's, you know, what do you do with that for a pairing? Ooh, that's hard. Yeah, that's a hard one because of the ginger and, and so on. But um, campaign. Yeah, <laughs> go to. But, you know, I think food bring, has that memory that brings you to the experience that you have. So Easter dinner with a baked ham. I have my whole family 
memories of my whole family around the table and my mom bringing the the platter with the baked ham on it and us just sitting around telling stories and laughing and spending the afternoon having um you know Easter lunch basically is what when we would have it and it's just wonderful memories that food and wine really create for people and uh, I want people to slow down since and and spend some time with people they love and share some food and great wine man well I'm all happy I'm just yeah. I'm like yay I feel all excited now I want carrot cake I want some wine I want flowers I want sunshine this is like I feel all excited life yeah. is good man <laughs> this is great that's what that's what spring is all about that renewal absolutely Absolutely. I know renewal and rebirth and all of that, you know, so everyone, uh, please go to ldvwinery.com. Like I was saying, get their newsletters, uh, follow them on social media. Peggy is here every first Wednesday here on bigblendradio.com and uh, keep up with us there too. So, and of course her recipe, you can go on blendradioandtv.com for that too, for her glazed ham. But thank you so much, Peggy. It's been super fun. Thank you. It was fun. We'll see you again next month. That's right. Hey, we'll be in May. Oh, the month of mothers. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs>